Reasonably often, we get inquiries from a wife whose husband is addicted to pornography and he won't do anything about it. In this episode, we want to help you prepare for that first serious confrontation where you have a very deliberate conversation about this problem with your husband and how it's impacting you as his wife. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a resourceful episode for you this week. It's episode 272, and today we're going to be talking about how to confront your husband regarding his pornography addiction. Hey there, but before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed the key things to include if you are disclosing infidelity to your spouse. It's worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice, and most of all, we offer hope. Okay, let's start in, Verlinda, how to prepare for this difficult conversation Yeah, about pornography. So it's almost inevitable that you're going to run into some level of denial in a conversation like this. Right. Whether it's extremely overt or whether it's just sort of like it's not as bad as you think. Right. Kind of denial. Yeah. So let's start by talking about that. It'd be easy to run into some denial and throw your hands up in the air and give up. But I just want to start by saying it's important to understand that denial is a common response to not your addiction, but... Addicts will respond to their own addiction with denial. Okay. Yeah. So it's a feature of addiction. It is. And and they're typically in denial of the negative consequences of their addiction. So the denial, if anything, should just affirm that there is an addiction there as you're confronting mm. this and not not so much cause you to fall back and wonder like, okay, is this really a problem? Or maybe all guys do this. But those are those kind of things are the that come across as excuses or whatever. They're features of denial. Denial is a feature of addiction. Okay. But what if the person isn't addicted? Well, are they able to stop and maintain being stopped is kind of a question there. How frequently okay. are they doing this? And, um, you know, you can go through some questions like that. Yeah. Okay. So one important piece to understand is that the part of the brain that craves or desires something has no direct neural connection to the part of the brain that holds the consequence for engaging in what is desired. Okay. So what you want yeah, and your perception of the consequence of going after that are not connected. Are not connected. Okay. Now, a relatable example of this on a much later topic than pornography is having that second piece of dessert. So the idea of that second piece is always significantly more attractive when you're about Mm -hmm. to start into it than the experience of it when you're most of the way through and you're starting to feel gross because it's just too much for your body to handle all that sweet, right? So if I were to stop you before that fork bite and say, like, no, you should not do this. You'll feel gross. Your automatic response would be like, well, get out of my way or you'll be wearing this fork, right? Like, I want this piece of dessert. And that's kind of a trivial example, but it does illustrate the power of denial in addiction, even though that's not addiction. It's just saying Mm -hmm. you can imagine how much stronger that is in the context of addiction, right? Okay. And it can be so powerful enough to the point where a person can ignore clear evidence that their choices are harmful. 
So just kind of be prepared for this. It's still important that the addict is confronted with the consequence of the addiction. And we would we just want you to understand that denial will happen and then help you to prepare so you can present your evidence, your complaints, your concerns in a way that's most likely to motivate him to seek help, uh, to be mm-hmm. to confront his own denial and engage with the reality of the problem that's at hand. Okay. That makes sense? I think so. Now, as we've mentioned in other episodes, um, Verlinda and I are born-again Christians. We're not perfect. We're trying to live lives that reflect the values of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And just saying that uh, so that you know that we come at this issue with a moral belief about pornography, Mm -hmm. that it's not helpful to marriage. Mm -hmm. But we also recognize that we have a lot of listeners who don't share this belief system, and so you'll approach the issue differently. So we want to kind of just be adaptable to whoever's listening so that you can find help in this situation. So I'm going to offer a range of questions that you should consider as you prepare for the conversation. And depending on your own beliefs and values, some of these questions will be more relevant than others. And as far as these questions go, there's no right or wrong answers to them as much as we just want you to think through all that might be going on for you as you approach a confrontation like this with your husband. Mm -hmm. So if you, I'll just kind of list these off here. You might want to hit rewind with a, and go back through these with a pen and paper just to write them down if you're listening today. But consider your motives, first of all, for having the conversation, the confrontation. What are you hoping to accomplish? Like, what is your ideal outcome here? Is it to reassure yourself that you are enough? Are you angry and looking to express this? Is it a conviction about or against his use of pornography? And consider the basis of your objection related to that. Is it moral? Is it based on the general beliefs that you have about pornography? Is it the fact that your spouse is lying or hiding to cover it up? Is it other behaviors that come with the addiction, such as gaslighting? That's gaslighting. Telling you that it's not happening and... Well, you know that it is, or... Isn't that just lying or covering it up? Um, is it different than that somehow? It's trying to change. It's like you see the truth, and I'm trying to convince you that what you see is something else. That's what gaslighting is. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's a it's a powerful manipulative tactic that kind of shakes your perception of reality. Okay. So being clear on exactly what you are objecting to will help you make yourself clear to your spouse. Mm-hmm. Consider the consequences as well as you're coming to a conversation like this. What impact has his pornography use had on you? The different ways it's mm-hmm. impacted you. Yeah. What needs and fears are you carrying into this conversation? Okay. That's maybe more for yourself, right? Yeah. So pay attention to what your body has been telling you. There's often a visceral reaction to this kind of addiction. Yeah. What your thoughts have been, what you feel in your heart about pornography. Describe its impact on you as thoughtfully and precisely as you can. So this is almost, you're kind of writing this out ahead of time, you're journaling or whatever, or documenting, Mm -hmm. whatever kind of works for you there. So you really have a clear picture of this because your husband needs to know the negative effects that his porn use has had on you and is having. Right. And so it needs to be more detailed than I hate it and it needs to stop. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cuz if you hate it and he likes it then what does it matter? It's just you against me. Well, it still thing. matters, but you, that's what I'm saying is just not in his mind. Yeah. Yeah. So if you if you can dial down and get all these, you know, the consequences, the impact, the fears, that's going to I think help you come to the conversation a much better place than I hate it. Like that's just going to be angry and poof in his face kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of think of it this way. Like, you know, you often hear people say about their parents, you know, when mom was yelling at us or dad was yelling at us, that was one thing. But when they got quiet, then you really paid attention. Uh, So you're preparing mm -hmm. for quiet here. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. So just know what you're willing to accept. Uh, be prepared or not accept. Be prepared to state boundaries. Uh, we covered boundaries in episode 245. You can get to that at oyf.link slash 245 or in your podcast player. Just look for episode 245. But those boundaries that you will consider implementing in order to create emotional and relational safety for yourself. We'll talk a little bit more about this in a second here too. Okay. But just um, having those prepared ahead of time as well is essential. So once again, for this topic, we've created a bonus guide for our much appreciated supporters on Patreon, those who help us produce this podcast month after month. This one is especially for wives in this situation, uh, like our show. It provides journaling exercises to help you process the range of emotions that come with a very difficult betrayal like pornography use. So Understanding and making sense of these emotions will put you in a more empowered position to have a better discussion about this problem with your husband. Okay. And you can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We'll just take a short 60-second break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about how to prepare yourself for the conversation. Uh, just in terms of detailing some of those things out. But let's talk about preparing the confrontation and uh, different, I think I've got four or five different parts of that that I want us to consider, okay? Okay. When we talk about preparing a confrontation, I'm using that word, but it doesn't necessarily mean conflict or a fight, although that may happen. What we'd like you to encourage you to aim for, though, is a very serious, thoughtful, deliberate assertion of what this problem means to you, mm-hmm. how it's impacting you, what needs to happen, in order for your marriage to be restored. And as we go through this section, I want to acknowledge the team over at Covenant Eyes. We don't have any affiliation with them at the moment, moment, but their blog is an excellent resource for topics like this, and we're drawing on the experience of some of their writers as well as my own clinical experience and training. So there's some great resources over there as well. And I just wanted to give credit where it's due. But the first thing is to plan for a soft start. So because you're confronting something that's probably very shame-inducing, has been hidden possibly for some time, it's going to be helpful to plan a soft start to the conversation. It doesn't mean that you're going to be vague or you're going to beat around the bush. It is helpful to be direct, to get to the issue quickly, but you don't want to launch out of the gate on the attack Mm -hmm. or in attack mode. And that's easy to do when something like this is hurting you significantly. Yeah. But you want to kind of just keep your overall goal in mind, which means you need your husband to hear what you're saying and and have it sink in. Right. So starting the conversation from a place of rage is not going to facilitate that outcome. Even though, you know, in the therapy context, I say, yeah, you have every right to be angry. You have a right yes, to your rage exactly. because you've been betrayed, right? But this is, this is a, an intervention. 
here. And so a soft start, I think, is going to be more effective. You might consider starting, for example, with a statement that's simple, that's factual, like it's time to talk about your pornography problem. And I would like you to listen for a few minutes while I tell you about how it's impacting me. And after that, you'll have a chance to respond. But I really need you to start by hearing and understanding what this is doing to me. Okay. So just very serious, very clear, your behavior impact on me, right? Okay. That's something like that in your words would be a good way to start. You want to share the emotional impact then. So this is very important to do. Using your insights, your self-awareness from the questions that we relayed earlier, along with the clarity, the insight from the journaling exercises and the bonus content from this show. Remember, like we talked about denial at the start, one aspect of denial in addiction is that the addict has buffered himself from the reality of how his actions are impacting you. Mm -hmm. He has had to numb himself from that consideration in order to continue with the behaviors. And now is the time to carefully burst that bubble of denial with some visceral like detail that he can feel about what it's like to be in a marriage with pornography present and active in the marriage as well. And yeah. So if he's numbed himself from the reality of the impact Mm -hmm. of his actions. If you come in like with both fists swinging, thinking that's going to get his attention, it probably won't. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, you're more likely to get a wall in front of the numbing. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the, if you can have a soft start, you can tell him exactly how it's impacting. Mm -hmm. That is more likely to break through Mm -hmm. that numbness. Yeah, I would expect so. Okay. You're delivering this in in, uh, uh, how would I say, optimized for being received. You're delivering this in optimized. Yes. Okay. Is there a simpler way to put that? Like, well, it's the easiest way to receive something is in a calm manner. Yeah. And this is going to be hard to take no matter how it's spoken. Right. So you want to deliver it in the easiest way to digest and understand and take in. Yeah. Okay. And I hope, in saying this, like I don't not want any of our listeners or wife listeners in this situation to think that we're kind of putting the onus back on them, like you got to do this right or he's not going to. Well, I was thinking that when you were talking earlier. It's more like this is, you know, this is this is so important for you. We want you to be as prepared as you can so that it's effective as possible mm-hmm. so you guys can begin that recovery journey. Yeah. Yeah. And if he's super denial and he blows up and won't take it, mm-hmm. that's not... It's not your fault. Your fault. No, no. Yeah. But you really want to try to set yourself up for the best chance for success here. Yes. That's what we're trying to help with. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So when you're sharing this emotional impact, be careful to focus on your experience and try not to resort to railing on him. Shame is not an effective motivator for change. Hmm. So helping him become aware of the extent of your pain and the devastation for that, the devastation that this is causing you will do a better job of making him aware of the consequences of his porn use. It'll do far more to motivate him to change than you cussing mm-hmm. him out. Okay. So once again, setting yourself up for the best success. Yeah. Huh. Don't, you know, in doing so, like don't assume that your feelings will be obvious to him, right? Again, that's kind of back to the numbing and denial thing. Mm-hmm. Make those obvious, make those explicit, overt to him so he knows. Okay. Would you be willing to share an example here? Like... Well, I just, let me go from the other side. So when I talk to addicts in recovery, what I hear them saying quite often is, yeah, if I get tempted or something again while they're in this process, right? Mm -hmm. And I go back and I can picture my wife's face with Mm -hmm. the pain on it. And it's like, oh yeah, not going there. Okay. The hurt. So when they connect to that consequence, 
of their action. And this is what you're doing is you're showing the consequence. So you don't have to try and be tough and hide the pain. No. Let them see it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's the emotional impact. And then the next part is stating your boundaries. So boundaries help you to establish physical and emotional safety. I, you know, I would say it may be in some cases that you may not even need to deliver boundaries on the first round. Like if just showing and confronting your husband, this is enough to motivate him to change. That Mm -hmm. might be fine. Okay. But sometimes you might need to go further. Yeah. Some, like some of you will think of your husbands and you'll know, Hey, like he also, he not only needs to know the impact that this is having, but also that there's going to be consequences. Um, that I have to set boundaries. And so boundaries, remember, they help you establish physical and emotional safety. So whether he is exhibiting remorse or not, if it's safe to do so, you should state your boundaries clearly and simply. Because your boundaries are for yourself. Yes. So they're not a punishment for the other person as such. No. And the boundaries should be set in a way that offers you options that you can enforce the boundary according to the nuances of the situation. So I I prefer boundaries that have options to them rather than you know, do this, if get that. Then, yeah. It's more like do this, I'll choose from one of these three options or maybe all of them, right? Mm, so okay. for example, when you lie to me, I do not feel safe and I cannot trust you. Since I can't be intimate with someone I cannot trust or feel safe with, then when you lie to me, I'll consider one of one or all of the following boundaries until I feel safe again. Number one, you'll move out of the bedroom immediately. Number two, I will not have sex with you. Number three, you will talk to... And then you got to choose someone like your therapist, your pastor, your dad, your accountability partner about the lying. Okay. So if you had a relatively minor incident of lying, you might say, you know what? You can stay in the bedroom, but we're not going to have sex this week. Okay. So you can kind of choose from your own menu. Or if there was a significant cover up and a lying relapse, like a major one, and you realize, you know what? He's not really facing his work. He's back in denial. Mm. Then you may choose to implement all of those boundaries. Okay. So there's no right or wrong with boundaries in the sense of what will fix him. But remember that the boundaries about what you need, like you said at the start of this part for Linda, it's about what you need in order to feel emotionally and relationally safe. So they'll be different from marriage to marriage as well. Okay. Yeah. Because each person might need something different. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so you're having the conversation, and then you also want to offer him a chance to respond. Now, ideally, over time, this problem will become a gateway or an open door or a pathway towards more openness between you. And Hmm. you can start that process even with this conversation by offering him a chance to respond to you. And just invite his participation by asking him questions about his perceived ability to stop Mm-hmm. about why he uses pornography, about the impact that he sees it having on you or himself. So those are suitable questions. If you encounter a lot of blaming, or if you find yourself starting to feel traumatized by his responses, because some men may not be able to be sensitive here, okay, then it would be best to shut that conversation down at that point and continue it in a safer environment later, such as with a counselor. But uh, hopefully... Uh, There can be some vulnerability and still safety in this. And where you can acknowledge his viewpoints, um, Mm. you want, and just kind of follow me with this part here, right? You want to express some empathy for him, but at the same time, it should not turn into a pity party for him about how Mm -hmm. his difficult childhood led to the situation. And some guys will do that. They could turn it totally around. Some guys will do that. So it's kind of like, yes, that may be the case. Yes, your childhood sucked. I can't imagine what it must have been like, but this is now, and you and I need to come to an understanding that these coping mechanisms cannot continue. You need to find a healthier way to cope. So I see your pain, but the way you're treating your pain is killing me. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that's how you can do empathy with while still holding boundaries 
expectations in place and stated. I mean, this isn't really a boundary that you've set, is it, in this conversation? Uh, well, you're, you need to find a healthier way to cope is the start of setting a boundary. That's uh, all I mean, right? Okay, okay. So if you continue to cope in this way, then you might launch into the boundary there. Okay. Uh, so again, there's like kind of, there's a quite a variety of husbands out there, if I can put it <laughs> that way, right? So some will go for the pity party and try to get the ah me thing going. Because if they can get you buried in their uh, sorrow and the things that have happened, that it takes the pressure off them to have to change. Mm, okay. Um, and when you feel sorry for them, it's less painful than them witnessing your pain. your pain as a result of what they've done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. They might not even know they're really doing that. There's all sorts of reasons that can go to pity. Uh, other husbands are just so impressed by the mercy that their wife shows them when she gives them empathy in a conversation like this, that it increases the motivation. Mm, okay. So that's a neat thing when that happens too, right? So mm-hmm. that's why we're recommending that you try and you know, give him a chance to respond if possible, some empathy. It may also be good to acknowledge his shame to remind him that the way to beat shame is to bring the darkness out into the light. He needs to talk to someone okay. and he needs to face this problem with someone who will be more neutral and supportive than you can be. You're not going to be his therapist here, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's too hard. Uh, Because he may just ask you, well, can you help me with this? And that's often a shame cover because it's saying, well, you know, but let's just contain it to us. Right. Let's not tell anybody else. Understandable, but not helpful. Okay. Now, after the conversation, what's next, right? So these conversations are hard to have. Uh, It's possible, very possible that you'll come away feeling that parts of it or all of it may have not gone well, or for some of you, it may go well. But what if it doesn't go well? If some parts didn't go well, you can revisit those. If you're stuck on certain issues and he's open to it, then those might be better suited for a counseling session. Okay. It's an ideal situation to contact a therapist. If the conversation was entirely unsuccessful and you're still being blamed and gaslighted and the addiction continues, then you might consider an escalation type intervention such as are offered by the Arise Network of Interventionists. Okay. Uh, you can just look up, I think it's arise-network or something.com. But these are proven established ways of effectively motivating addicts to seek help for their addiction. And basically, we've talked about it elsewhere, but yeah. you kind of start at a low level and then you increase the amount of pressure on the person to get help. Okay. If the low level doesn't work, you yeah. add more. Okay. Yeah. And then now that you've had the conversation, you should also at this point start considering your own need of healing. Even if the conversation did go well and your husband's in treatment and getting help, are you needing to work through some betrayal trauma mm-hmm. from the lying, for mm-hmm. example? How has this impacted your self-esteem, your self-confidence? And the repair of these things does not need to rest on his willingness to pursue sobriety. You can take the initiative to pursue your own healing, your own growth, even while he pursues his, and sometimes even while he's not yet pursuing his. You can okay. still buffer yourself and build yourself back up, Hmm. strengthen yourself. So our counselors are trained to help wives whose spouses are caught in pornography addiction. We can help you through any part of this process from the initial conversation to your own healing work from the impact of the addiction as well. So wherever you're at, uh, we just invite you to reach out to Mm -hmm. our team at onlyyouforever.com. All right. Well, we want to thank Kim, who became a patron between this recording and our previous one. Thank you to each one of you who makes it possible to continue put out this Mm. podcast each week. And we have an iTunes review. Okay. Is this Python? Python 5. Python 5. Five stars. 
Great practical marriage advice. I like all of the easily digestible tidbits of wisdom in this podcast. It's a great way to boost any marriage and it's free. I appreciated the episode on dealing with a narcissistic spouse, and I think it would be great to follow it up with an episode on spouses with borderline personality disorder. I've had a lot of experience in that arena, and it has been quite a challenge. Also, to follow up on your episodes on abuse, perhaps you could have an episode on false accusations of abuse. Being falsely accused of abuse can be as traumatic as being abused, and I think it's a situation that a lot of men find themselves in. So those are Mm. interesting suggestions. Thank you, Python. Next week. We're talking about how to balance the demands of parenting and marriage. Mm, we actually get quite a few parenting questions. Or, yeah, get a reasonable amount. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 272. Find out how you can help marriages. Go to oyf.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for smart people from only you forever.